0: SECTION 34 OF SERMONS ON SEVERAL OCCASIONS, SECOND SERIES. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY LARRY WILSON. SERMONS ON SEVERAL OCCASIONS, SECOND SERIES BY JOHN WESLEY. THE DANGER OF RICHES. THEY THAT WILL BE RICH FALL INTO TEMPTATION AND A SNARE, AND INTO MANY FOOLISH AND HURTFUL DESIRES, WHICH DROWN MEN IN DESTRUCTION AND PERDITION. 1 TIMOTHY 6.9 HOW INNUMERABLE ARE THE ILL CONSEQUENCES WHICH HAVE FOLLOWED FROM MEN'S NOT KNOWING OR NOT CONSIDERING THIS GREAT TRUTH! AND HOW FEW ARE THERE EVEN IN THE CHRISTIAN WORLD THAT EITHER KNOW OR DULY CONSIDER IT! yea how small is the number of those even among real christians who understand and lay it to heart most of these too pass it very lightly over scarce remembering there is such a text in the bible and many put such a construction upon it as makes it of no manner of effect they that will be rich say they that is will be rich at all events who will be rich right or wrong That are resolved to carry their point to compass this end whatever means they use to attain it They fall into temptation and into all the evils enumerated by the Apostle But truly if this were all the meaning of the text it might as well have been out of the Bible This is so far from being the whole meaning of the text that it is no part of its meaning The Apostle does not here speak of gaining riches unjustly, but of quite another thing. His words are to be taken in their plain, obvious sense, without any restriction or qualification whatsoever. St. Paul does not say, They that will be rich by evil means, by theft, robbery, oppression, or extortion, they that will be rich by fraud or dishonest art, but simply they that will be rich these allowing supposing the means they use to be ever so innocent fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful desires which drown men in destruction and perdition but who believes that who receives it as the truth of god who is deeply convinced of it who preaches this great is the company of preachers at this day regular and irregular but who of them all openly and explicitly preaches this strange doctrine it is the keen observation of a great man the pulpit is a fearful preacher's stronghold but who even in his stronghold has the courage to declare so unfashionable a truth i do not remember that in threescore years i have heard one sermon preached upon this subject and what author within the same term has declared it from the press at least in the english tongue i do not know one i have neither seen nor heard of any such author i have seen two or three who just touch upon it but none that treats of it professedly i have myself frequently touched upon it in preaching and twice in what i have published to the world once in explaining our lord's sermon on the mount and once in the discourse on the mammon of unrighteousness but i have never yet either published or preached any sermon expressly upon the subject it is high time i should that i should at length speak as strongly and explicitly as i can in order to leave a full and clear testimony behind me whenever it pleases god to call me hence O that god would give me to speak right and forcible words and you to receive them in honest and humble hearts let it not be said they sit before thee as my people and they hear thy words but they will not do them thou art unto them as one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument for they hear thy words but they do them not O that ye may not be forgetful hearers but doers of the word that ye may be blessed in your deed in this hope i shall endeavour one to explain the apostles words and two to apply them but oh who is sufficient for these things who is able to stem the general torrent to combat all the prejudices not only of the vulgar but of the learned and the religious world yet nothing is too hard for god Still his grace is sufficient for us In his name then and by his strength. I will endeavor one to explain the words of the Apostle and First let us consider what it is to be rich What does the Apostle mean by this expression? The preceding verses fixes the meaning of that having food and raiment literally coverings for the word includes lodging as well as clothes let us be therewith content but they that will be rich that is who will have more than these more than food and coverings it plainly follows whatever is more than these is in the sense of the apostle riches whatever is above the plain necessaries or at most conveniences of life whoever has sufficient food to eat and raiment to put on with a place where to lay his head and something over is rich. Let us consider, secondly, what is implied in that expression, they that will be rich. And does not this imply, first, that they desire to be rich, to have more than food and coverings, that they seriously and deliberately desire more than food to eat, and raiment to put on, and a place to lay their head, more than the plain necessaries and conveniences of life? All at least who allow themselves in this desire, who see no harm in it, desire to be rich. And so do, secondly, all those that calmly, deliberately, and of set purpose endeavour after more than food and coverings, that aim at and endeavour after not only so much worldly substance as will procure them the necessaries and conveniences of life, but more than this whether to lay it up or lay it out in superfluities all these undeniably prove their desire to be rich by their endeavors after it Must we not thirdly rank among those that desire to be rich all that in fact lay up treasures on earth a thing as expressly and clearly forbidden by our Lord as either adultery or murder it is allowed one that we are to provide necessaries and conveniences for those of our own household two that men in business are to lay up as much as it is necessary for the carrying on of that business three that we are to leave our children what will supply them with necessaries and conveniences after we have left the world and four that we are to provide things honest in the sight of all men so as to owe no man anything But to lay up any more, when this is done, is what our Lord has flatly forbidden. When it is calmly and deliberately done, it is a clear proof of our desiring to be rich. And thus to lay up money is no more consistent with good conscience than to throw it into the sea. We must rank among them, fourthly, all who possess more of this world's goods than they use according to the will of the donor. I should rather say of the proprietor for he only lends them to us as stewards reserving the property of them to himself and indeed he cannot possibly do otherwise seeing they are the work of his hands he is and must be the possessor of heaven and earth this is his unalienable right a right he cannot divest himself of and together with that portion of his goods which he hath lodged in our hands he has delivered to us a writing specifying the purposes for which he has entrusted us with them if therefore we keep more of them in our hands than is necessary for the preceding purposes we certainly fall under the charge of desiring to be rich over and above we are guilty of burying our lord's talent in the earth And on that account are liable to be pronounced wicked because unprofitable servants under this imputation of desiring to be rich fall fifthly all lovers of money the word properly means those that delight in money those that take pleasure in it those that seek their happiness therein that brood over their gold and silver bills and bonds such was the man described by the fine Roman painter, who broke out into that natural soliloquy: "Populus be sibilat ad mihi plaudo, ipsi domi simul ac contemplor in arca." The following is Francis's translation of these lines from Horace: "Let them his on, while in my own opinion fully blessed, I count my money and enjoy my chest." Editor. If there are any vices which are not natural to man I should imagine this is one as Money of itself does not seem to gratify any natural desire or appetite of the human mind And as during an observation of sixty years I do not remember one instance of a man given up to the love of money till he had neglected to employ this precious talent according to the will of his master after this Sin was punished by sin and this evil spirit was permitted to enter into him But beside this gross sort of covetousness the love of money There is a more refined species of covetousness mentioned by the great Apostle Pleonexia which literally means a desire of having more More than we have already and those also come under the denomination of they that will be rich It is true that this desire under proper restrictions is innocent nay commendable But when it exceeds the bounds and how difficult is it not to exceed them? Then it comes under the present censure, but who is able to receive these hard sayings? Who can believe that they are the great truths of God? not many wise Not many noble not many famed for learning none indeed who are not taught of god and who are they whom god teaches let our lord answer if any man be willing to do his will he shall know of the doctrine whether it be of god those who are otherwise minded will be so far from receiving it that they will not be able to understand it Two as sensible men as most in england sat down together sometimes since to read over and consider that plain discourse on LAY NOT UP FOR YOURSELVES TREASURES UPON EARTH. AFTER MUCH DEEP CONSIDERATION, ONE OF THEM BROKE OUT. POSITIVELY, I CANNOT UNDERSTAND IT. PRAY, DO YOU UNDERSTAND IT, MR. L? MR. L. HONESTLY REPLIED, INDEED, NOT I. I CANNOT CONCEIVE WHAT MR. W. MEANS. I CAN MAKE NOTHING AT ALL OF IT. SO UTTERLY BLIND IS OUR NATURAL UNDERSTANDING touching the truth of god having explained the former part of the text they that will be rich and pointed out in the clearest manner i could the person spoken of i will now endeavour god being my helper to explain what is spoken of them they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful desires which drown men in destruction and perdition they fall into temptation this seems to mean much more than simply they are tempted they enter into the temptation they fall plump down into it the waves of it compass them about and cover them all over of those who thus enter into temptation very few escape out of it and the few that do are sorely scorched by it though not utterly consumed if they escape at all it is with the skin of their teeth and with deep wounds that are not easily healed they fall secondly into a snare the snare of the devil which he hath purposely set in their way i believe the greek word properly means a gin a steel trap which shows no appearance of danger but as soon as any creature touches the spring it suddenly closes and either crushes its bones in pieces or consigns it to inevitable ruin THEY FALL, THIRDLY, INTO MANY FOOLISH AND HURTFUL DESIRES, ANUATUS, SILLY, SENSELESS, FANTASTIC, AS CONTRARY TO REASON, TO SOUND UNDERSTANDING, AS THEY ARE TO RELIGION, HURTFUL BOTH TO BODY AND SOUL, TENDING TO WEAKEN, YEA, DESTROY EVERY GRACIOUS AND HEAVENLY TEMPER, DESTRUCTIVE OF THAT FAITH WHICH IS OF THE OPERATION OF GOD, OF THAT HOPE WHICH IS FULL OF IMMORTALITY, Of love to god and to our neighbor and of every good word and work but what desires are these this is a most important question and deserves the deepest consideration in general they may all be summed up in one the desiring happiness out of god this includes directly or remotely every foolish and hurtful desire saint paul expresses it by loving the creature more than the creator and by being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In particular, they are, to use the exact and beautiful enumeration of St. John, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life, all of which the desire of riches naturally tend both to beget and to increase. The desire of the flesh is generally understood in far too narrow a meaning it does not as is commonly supposed refer to one of the senses only but takes in all pleasures of the sense the gratification of any of the outward senses it has reference to the taste in particular how many thousands do we find at this day in whom the ruling principle is the desire to enlarge the pleasure of tasting Perhaps they do not gratify this desire in a gross manner, so as to incur the imputation of intemperance, much less so as to violate health or impair their understanding by gluttony or drunkenness. But they live in a genteel, regular sensuality, in an elegant epicurism, which does not hurt the body, but only destroys the soul, keeping it at a distance from all true religion. Experience shows that the imagination is gratified chiefly by means of the eye Therefore the desire of the eyes in its natural sense is the desiring and seeking of happiness in gratifying the imagination Now the imagination is gratified either by grandeur by beauty or by novelty Chiefly by the last for neither grand nor beautiful objects please any longer than they are new Seeking happiness in learning of whatever kind falls under the desire of the eyes Whether it be in history languages poetry or any branch of natural or experimental philosophy Yea we must include the several kinds of learning such as geometry algebra and metaphysics For if our supreme delight be in any of these we are herein gratifying the desire of the eyes THE PRIDE OF LIFE whatever else that very uncommon expression he alazonea to be may mean seems to imply chiefly the desire of honor of the esteem admiration and applause of men as nothing more directly tends both to beget and cherish pride than the honor that cometh of men and as riches attract much admiration and occasion much applause they proportionably minister food for pride, and so may also be referred to this head. Desire of ease is another of those foolish and hurtful desires. Desire of avoiding every cross, every degree of trouble, danger, difficulty, a desire of slumbering out life and going to heaven, as the vulgar say, upon a feather bed one may observe how riches first beget and then confirm and increase this desire making men more and more soft and delicate More unwilling and indeed more unable to take up their cross daily to endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ And to take the kingdom of heaven by violence riches either desired or possessed Naturally lead to some or other of these foolish and hurtful desires, and by affording the means of gratifying them all, naturally tend to increase them. And there is a near connection between unholy desires and every other unholy passion and temper. We easily pass from these to pride, anger, bitterness, envy, malice, revengefulness, to an headstrong, unadvisable, unreprovable spirit. Indeed to every temper that is earthly sensual or devilish all these the desire or possession of riches naturally tends to create strengthen and increase And by so doing in the same proportion as they prevail they pierce men through with many sorrows sorrows from remorse from a guilty conscience sorrows flowing from all the evil tempers which they inspire or increase Sorrows inseparable from those desires themselves as every unholy desire is an uneasy desire and Sorrows from the contrariety of those desires to each other whence it is impossible to gratify them all And in the end they drown the body in pain disease destruction and the soul in everlasting perdition 2 i am in the second place to apply what has been said and this is the principal point for what avails the clearest knowledge even of the most excellent things even of the things of god if it go no farther than speculation if it be not reduced to practice he that hath ears to hear let him hear and what he hears let him instantly put in practice oh that god would give me the thing which i long for that before i go hence and am no more seeing i may see a people wholly devoted to god crucified to the world and the world crucified to them a people truly given up to god in body soul and substance how cheerfully should i then say now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace i ask then in the name of god who of you desire to be rich which of you Ask your own hearts in the sight of God. Seriously and deliberately desire, and perhaps applaud yourselves for so doing, as no small instance of your prudence, to have more than food to eat and raiment to put on and a house to cover you, who of you desires to have more than the plain necessaries and conveniences of life. Stop. Consider. What are you doing? Evil is before you will you rush upon the point of a sword by the grace of god turn and live by the same authority i ask who of you are endeavoring to be rich to procure for yourselves more than the plain necessaries and conveniences of life lay each of you your hand to your heart and seriously inquire am i of that number am i laboring not only for what i want but for more than I want, may the Spirit of God say to every one whom it concerns, Thou art the man. I ask thirdly, who of you are in fact laying up for yourselves treasures upon earth, increasing in goods, adding as fast as you can, house to house, and field to field? As long as thou thus dost well unto thyself, men will speak good of thee they will call thee a wise a prudent man a man that minds the main chance such is and always has been the wisdom of the world but god saith unto thee thou fool art thou not treasuring up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of god perhaps you will ask but do not you yourself advise to gain all we can and to save all we can and is it possible to do this without both desiring and endeavoring to be rich nay Suppose our endeavors are successful without actually laying up treasures upon earth I answer it is possible You may gain all you can without hurting either your soul or body you may save all you can by carefully avoiding every needless expense and yet never lay up treasures on earth nor either desire or endeavour so to do permit me to speak as freely of myself as i would of another man i gain all i can namely by writing without hurting either my soul or body i save all i can not willingly wasting anything not a sheet of paper not a cup of water i do not lay out anything not a shilling unless as a sacrifice to God Yet by giving all I can I am effectually secured from laying up treasures upon earth Yea, I am secured from either desiring or endeavoring it as long as I give all I can and That I do this I call all that know me both friends and foes to testify But some may say whether you endeavor it or no you are undeniably rich You have more than the necessaries of life. I have, but the Apostle does not fix the charge barely on possessing any quantity of goods, but on possessing more than we employ according to the will of the donor. Two and forty years ago, having a desire to furnish poor people with cheaper, shorter, and plainer books than any I had seen, I wrote many small tracts, generally, a penny apiece and afterwards several larger some of these had such a sale as i never thought of and by this means i unawares became rich but i never desired or endeavoured after it and now that it has come upon me unawares i lay up no treasures upon earth i lay up nothing at all my desire and endeavour in this respect is to wind my bottom round the year i cannot help leaving my books behind me whenever god calls me hence but in every other respect my own hands will be my executors herein my brethren let you that are rich be even as i am do you that possess more than food or raiment ask what shall we do shall we throw into the sea what god hath given us god forbid that you should it is an excellent talent it may be employed much to the glory of god Your way lies plain before your face. If you have courage, walk in it. Having gained in a right sense all you can, and saved all you can, in spite of nature, and custom, and worldly prudence, give all you can. I do not say, be a good Jew, giving a tenth of all you possess. I do not say, be a good Pharisee, giving a fifth of all your substance. I dare not advise you to give half of what you have No, nor three-quarters but all Lift up your hearts and you will see clearly in what sense this is to be done if you desire to be faithful and a wise steward out of that portion of your Lord's goods Which he has for the present lodged in your hands, but with the right of resumption whenever it pleaseth him one provide things needful for yourself food to eat, raiment to put on, whatever nature moderately requires for preserving you both in health and strength. Two, provide these for your wife, your children, your servants, or any other who pertaineth to your household. If when this is done there be an overplus left, then do good to them that are of the household of faith. If there be an overplus still, as you have opportunity, do good unto all men. In so doing, you give all you can. Nay, in a sound sense, all you have. For all that is laid out in this manner is really given to God. You render unto God the things that are God's, not only by what you give to the poor, but also by that which you expend in providing things needful for yourself and your household. O ye Methodists, hear the word of the Lord. I have a message from God to all men but to you above all for above forty years i have been a servant to you and to your fathers and i have not been as a reed shaken with the wind i have not varied in my testimony i have testified to you the very same thing from the first day even until now but who hath believed our report i fear not many rich i fear there is need to apply to some of you those terrible words of the Apostle. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for the miseries which shall come upon you. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Certainly it will, unless ye both save all you can and give all you can. But who of you hath considered this since you first heard the will of the Lord concerning it? WHO IS NOW DETERMINED TO CONSIDER AND PRACTICE IT, BY THE GRACE OF GOD, BEGIN TODAY. O YE LOVERS OF MONEY, HEAR THE WORD OF THE LORD. SUPPOSE YE THAT MONEY, THOUGH MULTIPLIED AS THE SAND OF THE SEA, CAN GIVE HAPPINESS? THEN YOU ARE GIVEN UP TO A STRONG DELUSION, TO BELIEVE A LIE, A PALPABLE LIE, CONFUTED DAILY BY A THOUSAND EXPERIMENTS. OPEN YOUR EYES look all around you are the richest men the happiest have those the largest share of content who have the largest possessions is not the very reverse true is it not a common observation that the richest of men are in general the most discontented the most miserable had not the far greater part of them more content when they had less money look into your breasts If you are increased in goods, are you proportionably increased in happiness? You have more substance, but have you more content? You know that in seeking happiness from riches, you are only striving to drink out of empty cups. And let them be painted and gilded ever so finely. They are empty still. O ye that desire or endeavor to be rich, hear ye the word of the Lord. Why should ye be stricken any more? Will not even experience teach you wisdom? Will ye leap into a pit with your eyes open? Why should you any more fall into temptation? It cannot be, but temptation will beset you as long as you are in the body. But though it should beset you on every side, why will you enter into it? There is no necessity for this. It is your own voluntary act and deed. Why should you any more plunge yourselves into a snare, into the trap Satan has laid for you, that is ready to break your bones in pieces, to crush your soul to death? After fair warning, why should you sink any more into foolish and hurtful desires, desires as inconsistent with reason as they are with religion itself, desires that have done you more hurt already than all the treasures upon earth can countervail? Have they not hurt you already? Have they not wounded you in the tenderest part by slackening, if not utterly destroying, your hunger and thirst after righteousness? Have you now the same longing you had once for the whole image of God? Have you the same vehement desire as you formerly had of going on unto perfection? Have they not hurt you by weakening your faith? Have you now faith's abiding impression? realizing things to come Do you endure in all temptations from pleasure or pain seeing him that is invisible? Have you every day and every hour an uninterrupted sense of his presence? Have they not hurt you with regard to your hope? Have you now a hope full of immortality? Are you still big with earnest expectation of all the great and precious promises? Do you now taste the powers of the world to come? Do you sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? Have they not so hurt you as to stab your religion to the heart? Have they not cooled, if not quenched, your love of God? This is easily determined. Have you the same delight in God which you once had? Can you now say, I nothing want beneath above, happy, happy in thy love? I fear not And if your love of God is in any wise decayed So is also your love of your neighbor You are then hurt in the very life and spirit of your religion if you lose love you lose all Are not you hurt with regard to your humility? if you are increased in goods it cannot well be otherwise many will think you are a better because you are a richer man and how can you help thinking so yourself especially considering the commendations which some will give you in simplicity and and many with a design to serve Themselves of you if you are hurt in your humility It will appear by this token You are not so easy to be teachable as you were not so advisable YOU ARE NOT SO EASY TO BE CONVINCED, NOT SO EASY TO BE PERSUADED. YOU HAVE A MUCH BETTER OPINION OF YOUR OWN JUDGMENT, AND ARE MORE ATTACHED TO YOUR OWN WILL. FORMERLY ONE MIGHT GUIDE YOU WITH A THREAD, NOW ONE CANNOT TURN YOU WITH A CART ROPE. YOU WERE GLAD TO BE ADMONISHED OR REPROVED, BUT THAT TIME IS PAST, AND YOU NOW ACCOUNT A MAN YOUR ENEMY BECAUSE HE TELLS YOU THE TRUTH oh let each of you calmly consider this and see if it be not your own picture are you not equally hurt with regard to your meekness you had once learned an excellent lesson of him that was meek as well as lowly in heart when you were reviled you reviled not again you did not return railing for railing but contrariwise blessing your love was not provoked but enabled you on all occasion to overcome evil with good. Is this your case now? I am afraid not. I fear you cannot bear all things. Alas, it may be rather said you can bear nothing, no injury, nor even affront. How quickly you are ruffled! How readily does that occur? What to use may so? What insolence is this? how did he dare do it i am not now what i once was let him know i am now able to defend myself you mean to revenge yourself and it is much if you are not willing as well as able if you do not take your fellow-servant by the throat and are you not hurt in your patience too does your love now endure all things do you still in patience possess your soul as when you first believed Oh, what a change is here! You have again learned to be frequently out of humor. You are often fretful. You feel, nay, give way to peevishness. You find abundance of things go so cross that you cannot tell how to bear them. Many years ago, I was sitting with a gentleman in London who feared God greatly and generally gave away, year by year, nine-tenths of his yearly income a servant came in and threw some coals on the fire a puff of smoke came out the baronet threw himself back in his chair and cried out "Oh, mr wesley these are the crosses i meet with daily would he not have been less impatient if he had fifty instead of five thousand pounds a year but to return are not you who have been successful in your endeavours to increase in substance insensibly sunk into softness of mind if not of body too you no longer rejoice to endure hardship as good soldiers of jesus christ you no longer rush into the kingdom of heaven and take it as by storm you do not cheerfully and gladly deny yourselves and take up your cross daily you cannot deny yourself the poor pleasure of a little sleep or of a soft bed in order to hear the word that is able to save your soul indeed you cannot go out so early in the morning besides it is dark nay cold perhaps rainy too Cold darkness rain all these together. I can never think of it You did not say so when you were a poor man You then regarded none of these things It is the change of circumstances which has occasioned this melancholy change in your body and mind You are but the shadow of what you were. What have riches done for you? But it cannot be expected I should do as I have done, for I am now grown old. Am I not grown old as well as you? Am I not in my seventy-eighth year? Yet by the grace of God I do not slack my pace yet. Neither would you if you were a poor man still. You are so deeply hurt that you have well nigh lost your zeal for works of mercy, as well as of piety. You once pushed on through cold or rain, or whatever cross lay in your way, to see the poor, the sick, the distressed. You went about doing good, and found out those who were not able to find you. You cheerfully crept down into their cellars, and climbed up into their garrets. To supply all their wants, and spend, and be spent in assisting his saints. You found out every scene of human misery, and assisted according to your power, each from woe to your generous pity moved, your Saviour's face you saw, and seeing loved. Do you now tread in the same steps? What hinders? Do you fear spoiling your silken coat? or is there another lion in the way are you afraid of catching vermin and are you not afraid lest the roaring lion should catch you are you not afraid of him that hath said inasmuch as ye have not done it unto the least of these ye have not done it unto me what will follow depart ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil AND HIS ANGELS. IN TIME PAST, HOW MINDFUL WERE YOU OF THAT WORD, THOU SHALT NOT HATE THY BROTHER IN THY HEART, THOU SHALT IN ANY WISE REPROVE THY BROTHER, AND NOT SUFFER SIN UPON HIM. YOU DID REPROVE DIRECTLY OR INDIRECTLY ALL THOSE THAT SINNED IN YOUR SIGHT, AND HAPPY CONSEQUENCES QUICKLY FOLLOWED. HOW GOOD WAS A WORD SPOKEN IN SEASON it was often as an arrow from the hand of a giant many a heart were pierced many of the stout-hearted who scorned to hear a sermon fell down before his cross subdued and felt his arrows dipped in blood but which of you now has that compassion for the ignorant and for them that are out of the way they may wander on for you and plunge into the lake of fire without let or hindrance gold hath steeled your hearts you have something else to do unhelped unpitied let the wretches fall thus i have given you o ye gainers lovers possessors of riches one more it may be the last warning o that it may not be in vain may god write it upon all your hearts though it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yet the things impossible with men are possible with God. Lord, speak, and even the rich men that hear these words shall enter thy kingdom, shall take the kingdom of heaven by violence, shall sell all for the pearl of great price, shall be crucified to the world, and count all things done that they may win Christ. End of section 34